This is the Unique Smiles Podcast, a podcast featuring stories of people with facial paralysis and the challenges they've faced, with your host, Brian April. Hey everybody, it's Brian April uh, here with the Unique Smiles Podcast, and um, before we uh, get going today, I just want to remind you, feel free to subscribe, uh, leave comments, feedbacks, reviews, anything we can do to, to try to make it uh, better. Also want to send a, a quick shout out to our uh, our sponsors today at the Facial Paralysis and Bell's Palsy Foundation. They're a nonprofit organization uh, who are dedicated to raising awareness of facial paralysis concerns within the medical community and society at large. If you need support, they have support group meetings over there. They have events and all sorts of things over there. So just check them out. It's a facialparalysisfoundation.org. That's www.facialparalysisfoundation.org. And while we're at it, I'd send one more shout out to my good friends at Rise Physical Therapy here in San Diego. Rise Physical Therapy has multiple locations throughout San Diego and is the only clinic that treats patients one-on-one with a provider for the whole session. Their individualized approach to therapy helps patients of all ages and diagnoses. They also have access to other facilities and wellness modalities like whole body electric cryotherapy that no other facility has. So check them out, uh, risephysicaltherapy.com, www.riseephysicaltherapy.com, risephysicaltherapy.com. Today, we are joined by Emily Schmitz. She is the admin and creator of the uh, Facial uh, Nerve Paralysis Support Network on Facebook, and uh, we're very happy to have her here. Emily, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. Ah, Good, good. Uh, can you give a little bit of background um, uh, about you? I know you got uh, facial paralysis in, uh, I believe, middle school. Yeah, so I got mine back around 2006 when I was in, uh, just entering seventh grade. I think I was about 13 or 14 years old. And it really started just because I, I have Bell's palsy, so I have like the most mysterious origins of facial paralysis where they don't really know what caused it. It's just one day I didn't quite feel super well. I didn't feel like going into school and dealing with it. So I was like, I'm just going to take a sick day. Nothing's going on. And by about midday, I'm just watching TV. And I can't remember what prompted me to do it, but I tried to make like a funny face. And I realized that I couldn't quite like pucker my lips together. So I immediately go and I grab my mom and I'm like, "Uh, this seems really weird. I don't know what happened. And my mom's... um, an old x-ray tech. So she immediately went to this child has had a stroke. We need to go to the hospital. <laughs> okay. But wow. she didn't want to take me there immediately. So we had to wait until dad came home at least. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> and if you do have a stroke, you should get medical attention pretty much immediately. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so how long before they like diagnosed it was, was a pretty straightforward? Well, we went into the x-ray, you know, or not the x-ray, we went to the emergency room and they looked me up and down and all over and I think it was one of the nurses that's just like, oh, it's probably Bell's palsy. It's a little weird that she's got it this young, but it's probably just facial paralysis and it'll go away in a couple weeks. (laughs) So they told you that, the two weeks or whatever? Exactly. They told me two weeks and when those two weeks came and went, I was very distraught to say the least yeah i think that's the worst part about it is um some people full you know recover fully but uh like they told me that for mine as well and then once that that date like you said comes and goes you're just like all right well now what and you just start freaking out 
Why exactly. Am, why am I not ailing? This is crazy. So what what did you do? Did you get any recovery at all? Like how much did you get back, if if at all? When that, when that two weeks came and went, that sort of prompted my mother to start immediately going down the rabbit hole trying to figure out what was wrong, why didn't I recover, because every doctor we went to, I went to a lot of doctors, and every doctor we went to went, well, she's relatively young, she should be fine by now, I don't understand what's wrong, and that kind of really drove my mother insane for a bit. It only ended up being, I think it was either a year or two after the initial onset that my mother found the Massachusetts Eye and Ear Infirmary, okay. and we had, we, she took me in there, and I think it was Dr. Hadlock that initially told me, it's like, well, your nerve probably got cut somehow. Either you got uh, something and inflamed it, or you got you maybe got smacked in the face, and you don't remember it because it didn't do much damage to you, but it hurt your nerve. And it just got cut in half. Wow. So, the, yeah, the next thing she told me was, we just have to wait for that nerve to grow back, and then we'll prep for treating synkinesis, which is eventually what happened. Okay, so you did get synkinesis? Yeah, oh, yeah, that's my main thing I struggle with still. <laughs> what uh, what what areas of that do you uh, currently have? It's kind of, well, when you when you learn about synkinesis, it's basically just that your nerves get re-wrapped, uh, remapped wrong. So for me, I pretty much got kind of swapped where if I go to uh, smile, my eye would reflexively close. Or if I went to, you know, blink, my mu my, my mouth twitches. It's pretty much just backwards for a little bit there. And again, and if I start eating, my eye waters or something like that, like chewing yeah. causes my eye to water. Like your, st your standard out-of-the-box <laughs> Yeah, so you get the uh, the crocodile tears and all that good stuff. Exactly. Uh, does your uh, neck pull at all, your platysmus muscle or anything like that? or? Uh, that really only flares up if I'm doing like some really intense facial contortions. Like if I'm yelling a lot, like for my job, I have to speak out over a crowd a bunch if I'm elevating my voice or if I if if I'm I'm having a sad day and I start crying I feel it down there but not usually throughout the rest of my day okay that's cool yeah synchronesis is really uh it's really weird it's it's a nice little uh, parting gift so to speak it's speak. a very strange experience to deal with and especially when you start going back into physical therapy mm -hmm. like to try and teach yourself because they they basically plop a mirror in front of you which is like the worst thing you want to see at that point <laughs> They say, just look at your face and try and close your eye or try and smile. And that's literally, it's just a mind over matter kind of thing at that point. Do you do Botox for it at all or anything like that? I do. I get Botox every three months for my synkinesis. Okay. And you found that that, uh, that really helps or? It really does mostly for my mouth area. I used to get it up by my eye, but eventually that it did became more of a cost than a reward. So we've just moved down just to the mouth because I have a lot of like dimpling around my chin mm -hmm. with all the all the smaller nerves fighting each other. Gotcha. Yep. I got that too. Um, all of a sudden I have a cleft chin. I'm like, I don't, I've never had exactly. one. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> for me, like the, the synkinesis uh, for my eye, like I learned ways around it. So like when I eat and I chew, I just, you know, chew with my eyes closed. Um, oh, weird. And then nobody, yeah. I just do it. I close both of them and then nobody really notices. They're like, wow, he must really like food. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, like, I'm really that savoring was, it. Uh, but that then was it, always my joke, too. It's such a great dish. <laughs> nice. And then I do that as well when I'm uh, drinking. I just close both eyes and, and nobody um, would really notice. So that was one of the things for me. So uh, just going back. So you're in middle school 
and you develop this. How did that like? How did that affect you in middle school, where kids are notoriously just vicious? Well, for I think I can't remember how long it was because obviously I don't remember much of that year because it was a lot going on at once. But I really ended up missing a lot of school immediately after the first onset because I just didn't want to go in. Obviously, right. I mean, like half your face, because that was when I had no movement. The, the, the nerve had been severed, so I just looked like a stroke victim for a little bit. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until I started to see, I guess, a little bit of motion back that I think I was let back into school. And my mom had written a note to the school going, this is what's happened. You know, please be forgiving of her. And everyone kind of understood except my math teacher, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> okay. But, <laughs> and uh, how, it, how long, I'm sorry, how long before you get uh, some movement back? I can't quite remember. I just remember it It first came back in the mouth. That was obviously where the most nerves go down to. And I I think you, you stress it enough because you have to start talk, trying to talk again and, you know, you chew with your mouth and all that stuff. But I don't remember exactly when I started seeing it. I remember it was much past the two weeks they quoted, but <laughs> I don't remember if it was by the fourth week or maybe a couple into the second month. I, I can't quite remember. Okay. You said your your mom kind of like helped you out with a, a note to the the school. Were they really helpful, or like what did were there any steps that they took? Did they talk to the class before you come back that you know of, or anything like that? Or I don't think they at least if they mentioned it to the class, I don't think they told me about it. But okay. um, they basically just if I needed to step outside or you know like if I got picked on, I was supposed to come and tell them about it. But really, it was just a let's just be reactionary to it. Like if it became an issue in the class, that's when they would do something about it. Okay. And did you find that you had much of a a being picked on or bullied or anything like that? I wasn't necessarily, well, I I did get picked on, but it wasn't so much the active being picked on as as much as just being the outcast. I didn't have a whole lot of friends anymore. One of my friends actually wrote me a really nasty note saying she couldn't be my friend anymore because of the paralysis. But (laughs) <laughs> yeah, she was. She kind of wasn't a good friend to start out with, so it wasn't that much of a loss. But at the time, it was yeah, really traumatic. Right, and you're feeling but other than, vulnerable at that oh, point, and then someone was supposed exactly. to be supporting you was just like, nope, see you. Exactly. I had one good friend that stood by me for through it, but other than that, she, people just kind of didn't talk to me. I mean, like maybe they were whispering behind my back. I'm not quite sure, but I just kind of went through middle school by myself. Okay. Did is there anything you know? Uh, I know one of uh, the the listeners has um, uh, a son who's is going through it. Got it when uh, he was ten, and is uh, sixteen, so he's probably more in uh, high school at this point. Uh, mm-hmm. But do you have any advice or any suggestions to maybe parents who uh, might be listening that have a child uh, that's in school and going through this? Um, to the parents. I would really just say, I mean, that do all you can to be supportive in the background. Like, I, I really do appreciate that my mom didn't make this sort of seem of the end of the world. Like, I know she, her inclination was to write me special notes, and if anyone ever gave me trouble, to just whisk me away out of the environment. But it really, I mean, being a special case felt like it did more harm, in the, at least in the middle school Mm-hmm. area where you're you're being treated differently it's something unique it's oh her face is messed up you know look at how special and unique she is and that sort of paints a target on your back at that time i mean it offer offer help when it's needed but don't don't make it e- the topic of every conver- conversation after school you know right 
just kind of try to uh, get back into a normal uh, life, normal routine type of thing? Yeah, just let them let them go at their own speed, especially if it's like me where it becomes an issue suddenly. That it's like um, like an episode in, in your previous episode that you talked about a lot about you know it's you need time to just mourn the loss of your face, especially when it's a sudden removal. Just mm. understand that they are they're they're not only were they already upset with just how they are. I mean, every teen kind of hates themselves at that point, but they've. They've gone through the loss of what identity they thought they had in their face. Right. And that's at a time when you're you're still trying to really find your identity. You know, your exactly. true identity. Like, who am I? And then all of a sudden, this thing happens. I, yeah. yeah. Now, you so you, you went up and you went to Mass Eye and Ear and you did all of that sort of stuff. Uh, at what point did you, what was it like to just be around people who um, had it? Uh, find other people that had facial paralysis or, you know, knew your struggle. What was that like for you? Well, that very first, and, and this is where the um, Facial Nerve Paralysis Support Network gets its origins from, is actually from the, the Massachusetts Eye and Ear Infirmary, where several of the patients, you know, we'd bump into each other in the waiting room and we'd sh share stories then. And that, that was nice, getting to talk to someone who shared your experience. And initially, I believe it was... Um, Four ladies and myself started to talk about, well, let's hold a designated support group where we all just sit down and just talk to our heart's content. You know, we don't need to worry about appointments or life around it. We just have time to sit down and talk to each other. So we ended up arranging the very first meeting, which we had a massive turnout. Like people who were just in the area for appointments that didn't even live in the Massachusetts area went to this thing. They, they scheduled their, appoint their next appointment around it. And this little tiny lobby in the Massachusetts Eye and Ear Infirmary is just packed to the brim with people who have a facial paralysis from all walks of life. You know, some were born with it, some just had it. Like myself, I had just recently had it, like within the past year or two. Some had had it their whole life. Some had had it from like a really traumatic incident, like they'd been in like a car wreck or something like that. And we're all just talking and sharing stories. And that was really for me when I started to really accept and be okay with my facial paralysis was getting to see people past, you know, past middle school. Like people, these, these people are adults. They've lived with this their entire life, some of them, and they're, they're fine. They're happy. They're laughing right now. And it really showed that it wasn't the end of the world to me. I think that's the important thing too, is it's not the end of the world and there is life after it. And, you, you know, being around all of these people that had it and have other tips and suggestions and you hear different stories and it just it's a nice cathartic way to just go okay somebody truly understands what I'm going through uh and they're managing okay so you know I can eventually you know get on with my life and and do some good things with that so how did that kind of evolve from just being at Mass Eye and Ear to going on to Facebook well it initially started out as um one of the ladies in the group started up the the, the, the Facebook group just so we could know when the next meeting would be because we've had, you know, they, not, not everyone shared phone numbers and we had some people that were like, um, they lived not very far away. I think someone lived in Pennsylvania and they wanted to be able to plan ahead when the next meeting was going to be. So we just started this little tiny group and it was like, we're just going to put on the calendar when the next meeting is and you can go online and check Facebook because this is when Facebook's groups were in, in its infancy. You didn't have like any options as far as moderation ability went. And we ended up getting people from California, like, hey, I can't make it to Mass Eye and Ear for my, my, my appointment window doesn't line up. Can I just 
like log on and vent my feelings on this on this group. And then I eventually moved away to Atlanta. And I was like, well, hey, I need to use this group because I can't go up to Massachusetts any anytime anymore as well. So we ended up welcoming anybody essentially who needed to vent or talk or just see that others were like it, even if they couldn't make it to Massachusetts Eye and Ear. And we just kept growing and now we're at about 800 members right now and we keep I keep adding more every day. <laughs> just think about that, that somebody is willing to travel from Pennsylvania or California to go to Massachusetts to find a group or a therapy or some outlet. Like it just shows one, how powerful that is, but two, how little uh, globally that there is out there for people with facial paralysis. You know, it's, yeah. um, I, I know there, there are people that I've talked to that are in like New Zealand and they're like, I'm going to fly out to, to LA to go see, you know, Dr. Aziza Day um, or whatever. And you're just like, wow, that's amazing. Like I have a, a friend in China and she's like, there's nobody here. You know, I, I need to fly to like the United States or England or somewhere to like get treatment. And it, it yeah. just, it's crazy that even still like in 2018, there's so little uh, known about it or, you know, locations and things like that. There's a lot of people that really just don't know that much about it. So uh, I'm glad that, you know, we're all trying to, to make a difference and you're, you're trying to make a, a difference um, with that as well through Facebook. I am actually really, really blessed with this group. And I, I'm, I'm just going to start raining praise on all of them and they hear it all the time. But I am really the sole active moderator for that group. And the only reason I can be is because everyone in that group is just so welcoming. They understand that it's a, both a high and a low group. You share your your happiness, your sorrows, and it's. I, I haven't had to do hardly any like hard active moderation work. Like I've done other, you know, other moderation jobs where you have to ban people daily and make sure you're uh, cutting, like deleting comments that are mean spirited. But I haven't had hardly any problem with that group. Like people are really nice. I mean, occasionally members will come to me and express that they're having issues with another member, but that's all stuff. I just pull them both aside and go, Hey guys, be, you know, make sure these posts stay on topic and you're being nice to each other. And they, everyone's okay. Sure. I understand everyone's from different locks of life. Maybe I don't like what they post on their Facebook, but that's not what they're bringing to the support network. It's been so easy. And I just, I love all of them that they can just, you know, we're just here for support. And they really understand that. And I haven't had to do any sort of hardcore moderation or have any sort of really big difficulties with that job. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to do it alone. I mean, that's great and that everyone's uh, really supportive. It's, it's, it's hard to find that on the Internet. Uh, which It really is. Actually, that's a, a, an interesting topic to kind of lead into. Um, you are uh, going to be married fairly soon, I believe. Absolutely, yeah. Yay, congratulations on that. And so let's talk a little bit about being single with, you know, like facial paralysis and dating. I know you said you didn't do a lot of dating um, in high school. We talked earlier, you said you, you didn't do too, too much uh, dating in high school, but how did you go about um, finding, you know, uh, finding love or, you know, your fiance? Because a lot of people think, oh, I'm going to be, you know, uh, single for the rest of my life or no one's ever going to love me or whatever. Tell us a little bit about uh, that story. Well, Nathan and I, uh, that's thats my fiance's name is Nathan. We kind of fell into our relationship a little bit sideways, but we initially met um, 
on um, just randomly and won a match of Halo 3, you know, back in the 360, the Xbox 360 days. He, I was playing a game, he was playing a game, we just got randomly matched together. We chatted with each other over the voice chat and, you know, both liked how each other played and we, we, you know, liked each other's sense of humor. So we became friends after that. So I didn't really get to see him and he didn't really get to see me until we'd been friends for about like a year or so and we were kind of comfortable. Like, I, I'm pretty sure you're not a, a, a murderer <laughs> at this <laughs> right. point. <laughs> so then it was just kind of like, hey, you know, let's, you know, let's see how this uh, goes. Interested in maybe going to the next level, maybe dating, that sort of thing. Yeah, we were really hesitant to try and do long distance because neither of us had done anything like that before. But we were both, you know, kind of like, oh, I, I kind of like you, I kind of like you too. You know, <laughs> like, we, it was both established that we were we were really good friends and we'd, we liked each other enough to take it to the next level because I've, I've never been a person where I necessarily like dating and I don't know if that's because of the paralysis or just me as a personal trait but I I cannot just stand going on dates <laughs> right so what was that like the first time that you maybe like you know, showed him what what your face looked like what were you were telling him about that were, you know were you nervous about that like how did that all kind of what were your thoughts on that I can't really remember when it came up because for me personally I don't like to bring up my facial paralysis until I'm either comfortable with the person or it just comes up naturally. Like maybe I start eating something in front of them and I start crying. It's like, oh, no, hold on. I'm not, I'm not an emotional wreck, I promise. It's just something else. But I, I, again, probably didn't bring it up with him until maybe we had met in person for the first time. We, we, met, we met at the Boston Comic Con. We had arranged to go together. Mm-hmm. And I probably mentioned it to him just because I was, I, I'm always a little self-conscious about how my, move, my mouth moves when I'm talking. But I, I'm pretty sure his response, if I remember correctly, is just, okay, cool. <laughs> he obviously wasn't very bothered by it, but he was also, you know, coming from a nerd background. He right. kind of was, you know, he had his own self-esteem issues, and clearly it didn't bother me that much, so it's not, he's not going to make a big deal out of it either. Well, that's great. Well, and I think, too, you, you know, you get to really know each other first on the inside as opposed to what, what you look like. So I think that's kind of a cool thing have you changed your uh or or what is your approach to dealing with like social media and pictures and stuff like that because you're uh fairly uh young you know everything is snapchat and you know um instagram and all that sort of thing and how have you dealt with that uh kind of growing up in this whole new media age with pictures everywhere well, I'm not a big Snapchat person to begin with, and I don't know if that's because of my paralysis, if that's just I don't, I don't take pictures of it, or if that's just me in general, but I am not a big selfie person to begin with. But I do, I mean, I, like any, any teenager, you, you do get to rehearse your best angles and take the pictures on that. It's only difficult when you start doing the group shots, where right. I have to sort of subtly arrange myself so that I have my good side towards the camera and I don't know if that's it's kind of counterintuitive because when when I'm in person with people I try and make it so that people are towards my right because that's my the working side Mm -hmm. and that makes them they can see how I'm emoting better because if people are on my left I get a lot of the comments of oh what's that face for it's like it's not a face (laughs) it's just the bad side get on the right right but then when I go when we go to take a picture I then have to try and shuffle myself around 
to their left side so then I can, as, as they do the, the selfie pose and hold the camera up, I have my right side facing the camera then. So do it's you, a little bit of a dance. <laughs> do you, uh, do you have like a, like when that happens with me, cause I, I do standup comedy, I take a lot of pictures. I just go, Oh wait, I gotta get them a good side, you know? Yeah. And I just, I just say it right out, you know, and people kind of laugh or whatever. And if anyone, you know, says anything, I'm like, no, I actually have a good side. Um, and then <laughs> That's I just... usually what I do, too. Okay. So I, I was just curious with that. And then so you, you still don't mind uh, taking pictures with people and things like that? You just kind of work your pose? Yeah, I, I've done, I've rehearsed this, the, the, my picture smile enough that I'm, I'm fairly confident about it at this point. Like I know back when I was first really you know, in the physical therapy process and training that it took a quite a bit to get that reflexive feeling because once you have synkinesis, your face doesn't quite feel the same as it did before. Mm -hmm. Like what <laughs> felt like a natural smile back in the day is now coming off as a grimace. Right. So you have to, I found for me, I had to feel like I was not really smiling. Like I was way toning down what my natural smile had been before. So that I'm like, well, I'm not going to look like I'm smiling in this picture. But then I turn the camera around. It's like, oh, no, that's, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> like, you just have to, it's a muscle memory that you just kind of have to work at a little bit more. And I'm sure if you talk to any, like, social media gurus, they talk about, you know, oh, you just have to work at their smile. They've practiced their smile a bunch because that's just the nature of their job. And you kind of have to do it, too, with facial paralysis, essentially because you're just relearning what you need to be doing. From a standstill. Someone um, that I know that I, I meet at the that's at the support meetings that I go to has a, a great uh, thing for that. She'll say like, she'll do a group picture and everyone's like, okay, everybody smile, and then she says, okay, now I want one where nobody's smiling. Oh, that's a nice. That's kind of a nice even the playing field yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, to make it like like a serious face so that everyone looks you know the same. For, More business for her casual. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So if anyone's listening, that, that helps too. And I do that when I have to do large pictures. So are you nervous at all about like with the wedding photos? Have you talked to your photographer about that or anything like that? Or, Well, that was really when we first started planning this wedding. I, I turned to my fiance and I'm like, you can do whatever you want with the music, with the guest list, with the cake. I just really want to put money and effort into finding a good photographer that'll know what he or she is doing with posing me because these are photos I'm going to look at for the rest of my life. I'm going to want to look back on and not just see facial paralysis. I want to see the wedding day. And um, when, I when I initially did my research, I just first looked for photos that I, I just liked the style of. I've, I've got an art degree, so I kind of know what I'm looking for as far as color theory and framing so I was just looking around for that and then when I found one that I liked I asked for her you know to meet in person which is just standard fare for photography you meet with the photographer and talk a little bit and at we, after we kind of got to know each other and discussed a little bit about business I was like so my most important thing I have to ask you is do you know what facial paralysis is and have you done any work with anybody who's had it before and my photographer, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and name drop, her name's Livy. She immediately was like, I have done uh, portraits of people with facial paralysis. And she just goes into her computer and just kind of whips out this portfolio of all these um, portraits she's done of people with facial paralysis. So I just incredibly lucked out finding her. But I, I want to say this as encouragement to others. If you're a photographer 
this is not such a rare disease that you will have never encountered anybody with it before. So just ask your photographer, have you worked with anybody? Or even, even if it's not facial paralysis, people you know, talk about having a good side. Like they don't want to, maybe they've got a scar on their shoulder they don't want to be seen in their wedding photography. Just ask them how they've posed people like that that have um, just requests to not have a certain side photographed and just ask them to, sh to show you um, pictures and how they've posed these people strategically to not have what they don't want photographed in the photograph. Yeah, You'll be pleasantly surprised. Really, yeah. that's really good advice, actually. For uh, for that, that's really good. Thank you for that. Um, so, how are are things uh, now for you? What's life like now? For you said earlier that you um, speak uh, to groups for your job. You're totally comfortable with that. Do you have any issues with that? Are there any uh, things that you do to accommodate for that? Well, um, right now I work as a. Um as a keyhole for an escape the room company. And if people are unfamiliar with that, basically it's an, it's an entertainment thing where it's like a movie theater. You go, you uh, buy a, a seat in a room and you have to solve a whole bunch of brain teaser puzzles to get out of that room within a time limit. For me, my job there is mostly giving you guys the rules before you go in. So I'm up there in front of groups of maximum 20 people and I have to make sure everyone's understanding the safety rules so we don't have a bunch of people getting hurt in our room. And you try and make it funny, you try and make it lively so people pay attention to you. And the only time I really ever notice having issues with that with facial paralysis is if I have someone who just has a negative disposition to begin with mm -hmm. and they're looking for something. I had one lady give, uh, uh, sort of find my boss and tell, and tell him that I was sneering at her and her kid the entire time. The other time, the other times I notice it becomes a problem is when I start to get really, really tired. You know, you start losing mm -hmm. kind of the, the finesse that you normally would. And I start spitting on people and I have to apologize <laughs> profusely. Yeah, I've done that from the, uh, the stage a few times. It's always uh, fun. So I just yeah. tell them they're in the SeaWorld splash zone and they should put their ponchos on now. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Well, that's it's it's always interesting when when people see that uh, and they go, "Oh, you're why why you're so angry?" I'm not angry, you know. This is this is what I look like, so that's why I always just bring it up when I'm on stage. So, do you have any advice for people who are just starting out on their their uh, facial paralysis journey? If they're just starting out on their journey, that means they've just recently come to a loss with what they you know their their expressions they used to have. And I would just like to encourage people to just take take some time to get, you know, acquainted with yourself. I know looking in the mirror is hard for that bit. And if it's if it is too hard at that point, just give yourself some time. You are just getting used to the new you. And maybe, you know, if you're listening to this, like within that two weeks period, just don't freak out just yet. You may get full recovery. I, I see a lot of people in our in my support group that come on. Like they just got it this morning and they l went and looked up facial paralysis and found my group. So they're like really panicking. And I just have to set them and take them aside and go, there is a good chance you're going to recover. And even if you, you're one of the cases that you, you do have nerve damage or you've got an outstanding condition like, you know, Mobius or Ramsey Hunt, like just take it step at a time. You will see something if you work at it, you just sit down, do the physical therapy, even if it's really, really hard, do it for an hour and you will eventually get to a point where you like yourself. It does get better eventually. That's good advice. Oh, so there was a, a, a question from a, a listener. Um, they wanted to know how did your facial paralysis change your use of social media, especially uh, filters, uh, if you use that? 
Well, for me, filters really end up being just color correction, which if that's what you need, if your facial paralysis causes you a lot of like um, blotchiness on your side of face, like I know if I don't have any foundation on to start off, I get really blotchy if I'm really overworking those muscles. The filters will really help with color correction, but they don't do a whole lot unless you're talking like Snapchat that like sort of warps your face a little <laughs> bit. That That's totally different, but I'm not very well versed in Snapchat that much. I just usually just go with the uh, the cat ears and the whiskers for myself. Exactly. So, you know, that's <laughs> that's my thing. Uh. <laughs> but um, unless the unless the filter is doing stuff to change your face, it's really all about the angles you need to take at. Like learn that that three fourths turn, where you get just a little bit of that good side of your face, or, or a little bit of the bad side, but it's mostly the good side of the face. Just learn what angles work well for you, for your nose, for your chin. And just, I mean, even if you have to hold the angle, the the camera like way up high for that high angle shot, like just just get to just take a bunch of pictures and and learn what looks good for you. And that's what my photographer gave me advice too. She's like, we're gonna sit down later, and I want to show you to show me a bunch of pictures you hate, pictures you love, pictures that are kind of meh. You know, she wants to see just the range she can get away with for my photo my photos. Very cool. Uh, this is an interesting question. Were there any upsides or unexpected benefits that you got from uh, getting facial paralysis? Um, I talk about this a lot, and this was really back when I had a, a lot of, um, like I, I had a lot of synkinesis and I wasn't really retrained in my um, uh, my physical therapy. When it was more noticeable that I had a paralysis, I would first meet somebody and there would be a split second of registering on their face that something wasn't quite right, but they couldn't quite put their finger on it. And in that split second, there would be either a recognition of, oh, something's wrong, and it would be, oh, poor baby, or it would be, <laughs> uh, right. what is wrong, you know, like, and that told me a lot about that, who that person was going to be in that split unguarded second where they first met me. I would either, I'd see that, uh, and I knew they were very superficial people. They cared a lot about their personal appearance and who they were seen with. And if it was the, oh, poor baby, they were very empathetic and they might've gotten, especially if it was from an adult when mm -hmm. I was in middle school, they'd be very, oh, well, it, it's okay. Let's, let's give you special treatment. Let's sequester you from the others. They, they wanted to help, but in way too much of a way and if you just got no reaction they were just cool <laughs> <laughs> nice nice they're like okay cool <laughs> it just kind of brings out the uh their personality pretty quickly and there's that split unguarded unguarded seconds after hello basically we're all just about to wrap it up uh again a little plug for your facial nerve paralysis support network and that's on facebook.com any last things you want to say or anything we didn't touch on that you want to just say to people who uh, who are listening? or um, Just that remember, we're, we're all in this together. I know you don't see a lot of people that look like us wandering around the street, but every once in a while, you'll just pass somebody who has it too. You, and we're all out there, and whether you have to go looking for us or you just bump into somebody on the streets, you're, you're not alone. I agree. Absolutely. You're not alone. There's so many more than uh, people realize. Well, Emily, um, thank you so, so much for, for taking your time out of today to, to come and uh, talk with us today and share your advice and wisdom. We appreciate it. 
And uh, I want to wish you the, the best in your wedding and have a great time. And it's going to be a magical day. And I hope we get to talk again soon. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much, Brian.